show me who you are. Because the message that we heard last Sunday, it's, impor it's important who God is. And it's important that we know who he is, and he opens our eyes to see. He opens our eyes to see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just receive, even as Abby was sharing earlier, we know that forgiveness is there when we come to you and that filling of your Holy Spirit anew and also the healing power. I know some that weren't able to be here this morning because they weren't feeling well. And we just thank you, Lord, for your healing power upon their lives right now to flow forth. Anyone here in this, in this room right now, we would just receive wholeness, shalom, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, salvation for every part. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And those that are watching as well online, we thank you, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is with them. You are with them there. Receive in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Abby and team. It was so good, so good. Before we release the children, you can remain standing, if you would, for just a few moments. We're going to have the cast of our play, History in the Baking. We're going to have you come up here. We'll just stand right up in here in this area. And the elders love Gus and Pastor Dean come up here too. But you can stand like right here in this area, okay? <laughs> like right up there. <laughs> You're doing fine. You're doing fine. Okay. Quite a few of you here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Everybody here? I believe so. Let's just raise, raise your hand or reach your hand out here. You know, one of the things we're going to pray is that you will stay well. That's always a thing. It's an important thing. <laughs> Joyce, you can lay hands on too. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for your anointing upon this group of people. Your Holy Spirit presence in helping them in memorization of their lines, in coordinating of even practices. For health, we just thank you, Lord, for the covering of your Holy Spirit. We draw the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ, representing the great redemption that you brought for us over them. From sickness, disease, or accident, Lord, we just thank you for your protection. We pray that over Sarah as director of, of this play. 
And we thank you, Lord, for all the wisdom needed for all the decisions concerning everything with history in the baking, Lord. Father, we thank you, too, for those that will come and that they may be ministered to. Lord, as we mentioned last Sunday, I believe that there is even spiritual warfare that goes forth in the midst of the creative arts and even something like this, Lord. Something happens when people come together and, and can laugh together. That itself is a powerful force for good. And so we just cover them all now in prayer, in Jesus' name. Did I miss anything, Sarah? And we pray for their families as well, that they will, no sickness, disease, or accident in families. We just cover them all, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we as a congregation, too, that we would seek you about who we can uh, reach out to and invite to this play to be a part of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, stay up here just a moment yet. I was going to have you sit down for this next part, but Andrew is going to be a deacon here for us. And I'm going to have you come out here. Sarah, why don't you come too? Just like right here. And you know, you have a servant heart. You have a gift of helps. I know that. And uh, you're standing someone behind you that has that as well, who has served <laughs> very much, and we know it in the church. You know, those that especially have those giftings. And Dan, as I was sitting there, the Lord just said, have Dan lead in prayer for Andrew for the, to be a deacon. And so I'm going to give you the mic. If you could all reach your hand out. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just come before you as a family together. We just put our hands on Andrew right now. We just ask a blessing to his life. We ask for wisdom, for knowledge, for understanding, Lord. All the tools that you can provide, Father God, as he seeks you. We thank you for his family, Lord. We ask for strength and wholeness for them, Lord, that they would come alongside him, Lord, and also um, support him, Father, in this role. We thank you, Lord, that this is the time that you have meant for him. And we just ask, Father God, for continued strength, and Lord, that he would seek you so that he could be used by you. We thank you for that servant heart in him, Lord. That he, in that, Lord, that's, that's what your son did for us, has served us. He came here to serve, laid his life down for us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that by your example, Jesus, that we can look to that, Father God, and that all of us, Lord, would serve you to the best of our abilities. And we just ask that you give that ability to Andrew, Father God, and that heart to serve as you served. And we just give you glory and honor for that right now. And we praise your name, Father. And we ask this in the Son 
your son's name, Jesus, right now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome as deacon, Andrew. And you can all stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. And Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to give announcements now, so you can do that now. Yes, we release the children. I, sorry, I didn't say that, did I? Release the kids to their classes. Okay, we'll have you take your seat again. We can fellowship more afterwards. So, just good to see that you made it through the snow this morning. Quite a difference from a week ago, huh? Someone told me this morning, tis the season, and it looks like that season, the Christmas season almost. But Sarah's got a, an announcement here first about history in the baking, so we'll let you. I think most of you have heard all this, but again, the performances are December 11 and 12 at 2 o'clock. Um, we will have the tickets for sale um, in the back after the service. And there's posters and flyers back there. Um, if you know of someone who wants to come to the play, but they can't because of financial issues, please just come talk to me, and I'll take care of it, OK? And um, I think that was last week that I shared about if you would like to make cookies for the play. Um, Carla's here today. So you can talk to her if you have any questions about that. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then also wanted to thank Joan for plowing the parking lot this morning. It would have been. <laughs> we actually had quite a bit of snow. <laughs> and in fact, some texted in there wouldn't be able to make it because the they just couldn't get out. And uh, so, but we do, we thank, thank you so much, Dave and Joan, for that, uh, keeping our parking lot clear. Um, we also have this note that there will be a Christmas concert here on Friday, December 17 at 7 o'clock, and that'll be with Kent Dudley and team there. So we'll look forward to that as well. Christmas is coming. It's not that far away. Um, the Dudleys were in Rapid City this last week, or this weekend, at a real-life women's conference. In fact, we got to see a little bit of that 
it was, I think it was Chantel that had it on Facebook, and so we got to see some of that. And uh, they had had one previously in, in Fargo, and uh, it's a real ministry. It's Des Moines, is that next weekend in Des Moines? Okay. So we just cover them with prayer. We pray for safe travels for them as well. Lord, in that ministry that is really helping people, touching people's lives. This Wednesday, we'll have the live stream again at 10 o'clock with Touchpoint and Teaching, or you can watch it later too, and it will be put on uh, YouTube as well. And then 6 o'clock is Youth Group. Thursdays are Zoom Bible Study with Pastor Dean. Talk to him about getting linked with that if you'd like to. And then for giving, we have our boxes in the back of the sanctuary for giving here. And then for those that are watching online, and we saw indication this week that there is a lot of giving happening online. And uh, we're thankful for that. We thank you. Those that aren't able to be here for whatever reason, we thank you for being a part in giving as well of tithes and offerings. And um, so you can send to, by the mail, box 67, 10 strike to the TCC. And uh, it's 56683 is the zip code here in 10 strike. Or you can do it online with tenstrikechurch.com. Go to our website, tenstrikechurch.com. And I was going to mention too that with offerings, our offerings for Ronnie and Carol Ruano slash Slimmer came to $1,615. So that's wonderful. And I know they can really use that and that's helping them. Now we get to hear about our world travelers what from our world travelers about some of the things they've been doing and what the Lord showed them and taught them while they were gone. Peter and Linnea Coffin are youth directors. So, go for it. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's a good morning for a few of you. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to start us out in prayer. Lord, thank you just so much for your goodness that's continually running after us, no matter where we are, no matter where we go, what we do, that your goodness is with us. And we just thank you for today, Lord. I just pray that we would share what you would have us share and that each person would hear what they need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. And today is, like Steve said, we're going to have a little bit of a different format, more of a candid conversation about some of the things that God taught us in Europe. And there's so many different lessons and so many different stories. So we tried to, we're going to try to like just share a couple <laughs> things and a couple um, main things that God really uh, taught us and hopefully 
in teaching us that we can help to release that truth to you as well. All right, and Dean, you can put that first slide up or whoever's back there. Maybe it's not Dean anymore. <laughs> All right, so a little context. If you, if you didn't know, we, between the, um, this year, between August 23rd, right? And October 12th, um, we were not living on this continent. We were living on this continent over here across the, across the, the pond there uh, in uh, Central Europe, uh, Central Western Europe. Um, and this was something that has been in our hearts for quite a long time. We, we were trying to remember, trying to brainstorm, when it was it that we first had that, that inkling of an idea, because it wasn't when we got married we sure I don't remember ever talking about doing anything like this. Um, but I think it just, it stems from our, our love of adventure. Something that we've always loved to do together is to discover new places, new things together, um, to kind of push ourselves a little bit to, to go out there beyond our, our own little comfort zones, our own sort of boundaries of what our lives kind of entail. Um, that, and uh, I, one of my best friends, moved right. to Germany because she married someone there. Right. So we'll, we'll talk that about that too. So we had some, we have some connections, it kind of started, we have some connections in Germany mainly. Um, and so we were like, oh, we should go and visit them sometime. But then that sort of broadened to like, you know, if we're over there, we might as well see everything else that they have over there too, right? <laughs> they have other countries, right? Um, we, we, we must see them. Um, so it had always been sort of a, a dream, right? It was a dream at first, just kind of like a casual, like, you know, that'd be cool to do someday. Um, and then we started thinking, well, it's like, well, you know, we're, we're young now. We better start planning and, you know, make this a concrete thing. If we ever want to do it, we better do it. You know, it was sort of the, our, our thinking. Um, and of course, during 20, we were hoping to do it in 2020, but that, of course, didn't come to be. And we weren't sure if we were even going to do it this year until... Um, we were trying to remember, I think it was like maybe a month and a half before we left that we, we decided to, to go. <laughs> um, so this was one of those trips where I know a lot of people would, would say, oh, if you're going to be gone for a month and a half, you have to plan for years and years ahead of time. Um, and maybe, and part of it was the benefit of just uh, the place in life that we were. It would seem just like we were at that point where it's like, hey, we, we can, we we're we can take this time off. We can do this thing. Um, if we can find a, a plane ticket and there was a plane ticket one day, it's like, all right, we looked at each other. Should we do it? Okay. You know, and so and th there we were, um, more or less. Um, and Peter, like, for most things, I like to plan and have quite a bit of control over. But for trips, Peter's the planner. So... I had really like no clue up until we were there exactly what we were doing. I knew like some of the main countries we were going to, but Peter, Peter took on the burden of, and he actually, I find out after that he really only planned the first week before we <laughs> left, so. Yeah, so a brief overview. Uh, we're not going to talk about the trip too much in detail. We're talking. We're going to talk more about kind of the things we learned through our experiences and some stories. Um, and I think sometime I'll post 
I keep, I've been telling people this for about a month now, but I will sometime, at some point post pictures on Facebook. Um, so you can go look at those later on on our Facebook page. It should be open to the public, whether you're there a friend or not. There are some on the Ten Strike Youth Instagram, There, there are too, a few, so. but I'll, I'll post more so you can, you can see that. You can kind of see the things we saw. Uh, but a brief overview is we landed in Paris. Uh, we spent some time in, in northern France. Um, this is sort of a, a, a really rough sketch. Um, for whatever reason, Google Maps only lets you put like 10 uh, places on, on a, like a road, like a road map kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's very rough, but it, we landed in Paris. We spent some time in northern, we spent about a week in northern France. Uh, and then we went over to southern Germany where we spent some time with some friends. Uh, and then we spent some time, more time with some other friends we'll talk about in northern Germany. Uh, and then we went down, down through Germany, spent some time in Switzerland, uh, came over, went over to Venice, Italy, went over to uh, Slovenia, uh, took a quick trip down to southern Italy, up to Rome, uh, took a plane from Rome to Barcelona, and then back up to Paris to go home. Sounds overwhelming when you you say it all <laughs> in a row. <laughs> and at times it was. Yes, so we'll talk which is something that. we'll talk about. Um, so let's see. I, think, uh, I guess I'll go into, there was, uh, for me, one of the major things, we, we kind of sat down the other day and was like, all right, what did we learn? Hmm. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was something that um, I saw as, as a pattern for myself um, that's kind of emerged right, pretty much right on arrival. There was suddenly a part of my character that I, I didn't quite recognize existed suddenly um, came to be, <laughs> um, you might say. And it, it's sort of an interesting thing. Um, we hadn't quite anticipated how, um, how much newness we were going to have to um, experience, yes. Um, we, we recognized it was like, oh, these are going to be new places, but we didn't quite recognize that, um, you know, the life that you live it really informs how you think and the way you process information and the way you just exist in life. It's like, oh, I can, if I want to, I can go to Walmart and I can, I can buy these groceries and, and, you know, simple things, you know, simple everyday things just seem intuitive. Um, that suddenly when you um, uproot your whole life and then for a whole month and a half you're living in a, a, essentially an entirely different life. Um, we hadn't quite anticipated how our, we'd have to um, make different path, you know, pathways in our mind for different ways of thinking, different ways of doing things, um, that kind of thing. And so it's sudden, all newness, all at once, and it, it was uh, immediately overwhelming. So... Um, uh, we landed in Paris, and one of the first things we were prepared for was just how big this airport was going to be. Uh, I think we told the youth group, let's see, the, the entire, the, the space that the, the, the Paris airport takes up is like the size of the, the city of Brainerd, right? And then the, the, the building itself is, is about the size, the size of, Black. of Black Duck. Mm -hmm. um, so... <laughs> Um, it's, it's and they have like no transit systems between. Yes, no so transit systems. Everything's in French. Um, yeah. And so, and for some reason, we I guess we I don't know why we were so unprepared. 
Um, I guess you don't know exactly always what to look up, how to, how to prepare for these things, what, what you're supposed to know. You don't know what you're supposed to know until you're in a situation where you're like, wow, I wish I knew this. <laughs> I wish I knew what we're supposed to do. Um, so you imagine, you know, it's like in our conception, oh, you get to an airport, um, if you go to another country, there's going to be a border check, and there's going to be, they're going to they're going to funnel you through a, a very neat system of here's where you go, here's where how you get to the get back to the city, you know, here's here's how to get to your Airbnb. Really, how, you you imagine there's going to be helpful people standing there ushering you through your process. Uh, we get off the plane, and the, and then it's it's like there's there's nobody to help us. It's just this big empty giant building. Uh, there's there's no. The, absolutely no uh, border check at all, and we're suddenly real wondering, like, oh, are we in? Are we in France now? Are we still? Long you know? story <laughs> short, we it took us about two hours to get out of the airport. Or and we to were, and we were so worried. It's like, oh, are, we, are we doing something out. wrong? Did we miss the border check somehow? Because we suddenly were at this huge train station. There's a giant train station in the middle of it. And we're in the giant train station, and we're trying to read the boards. And we're like, can we leave? Like, we never, we never got our passports stamped. And, and we really didn't want to get arrested. Uh, we don't want to get arrested. <laughs> we do something wrong, you know, and all this stuff. And I remember, but it suddenly emerged. I was standing there in the middle of this airport. And just this sudden sense of the weight of, of, of all these things I suddenly realized I didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for. And like Nea said, part of um, uh, my role on this trip was, was the planner. I, so a lot of things depended on me knowing things. And suddenly realizing how inef you know, uh, deficient I was in that role um, but it felt crippling in that moment. I, there was a moment I'm just standing there and we're trying to make a decision on... How do we get on the, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we get on these trains? Um, you know, there's a 30-minute train ride from the airport to the actual city of Paris. How do we get there? You know, these, you know, we're trying to figure out these basic functional things that I'm just sitting there babbling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know what to do, you know, and it's getting later at night. The airport's closing down. Um, the trains are starting, there's being, they're starting to, you know, announce like last train, last train to Paris, that kind of thing. And I'm, you know, I can't, and I can't do it. And it has to like, look at me and like, Peter, we need to make a decision about these things. <laughs> you know, we, we, and you know, I'm sitting there and I'm suddenly imagining, is this the whole trip? Am I not prepared for anything? Are we in a completely different country where are we going to get like mugged? And, and you know, just all these suddenly, these ter all the worst things that could happen to you are suddenly flooding my mind and I'm incapacitated essentially. Um, <laughs> And this was to become a little bit of a, of a pattern, we realized. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So another example of this. Um, this happened. You should probably follow up that we, we, we did figure. We, fi we figured <laughs> something out, but it was yes. like. It had to take some prayer and some pausing and that's part of what we really learned is to pause and ask the Holy Spirit what to do and then do it. And sometimes we did that, sometimes we didn't, and we suffered the consequences of that. But Yeah, so I think of a of another story when it comes to kind of that that idea and that's and I'm you're kind of summing up right there, kind of our big well, at least some of the big thing that I, I really learned about myself is this, um, this idea of control, of what you, you think that you, 
um, you have control over what, you know, how we kind of make ourselves feel safe in this world, how we feel like we um, can do something. It's like, as long as I feel like I can control this and this and this, oh, well, then I, then I feel okay. But suddenly when you, you don't feel like you, you have a grasp on those basic things in life, um, you suddenly realized how much you depended on your control of those things. And so that was kind of a realization for me, <laughs> uh, an epiphany, if you will, that um, I, I don't think I would have gone through if I had just, if we hadn't, you know, gone through some of these experiences. Um, but so another, another kind of interesting story, I think, is a few days later, we're in Paris, and Paris is, it's the biggest city I think either of us have ever been in. It's, um, look up pictures sometime of, of what Paris streets look like. Um, it's these big, giant buildings, very ornate, beautiful, um, but these, uh, everywhere it's these tiny streets, thousands and thousands of tiny little winding streets, and it goes on for miles and miles and miles. It's giant. Um, and, and so it's very different from the life we live here and that we're very used to. You know, I'm used to, we're used to lots of space and used to lots of um, fewer people. <laughs> and suddenly there's, you know, these crowded streets with people who don't speak your language and the cluster, you know, sort of the claustrophobia of not even be able to see a skyline at all because it's just always a building over you everywhere you go for days. It's very different. Um, and so uh, after a few days, Ne Ney had to tell me, it's like, Peter, you get, you get this look when we're walking around the streets of Paris. You, and I'm like, what? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun, right? You know? And she's like, no, Peter, you're, you're not at quite acting, you know, normal. <laughs> She's like, this is what you look like when you're walking around. <laughs> you know, and was, uh, well, I'm just trying to make sure we get to where we're trying to go. I'm, I got to, you know, follow the map here. She's like, Peter, you got to relax a little bit. <laughs> um, and so it was one of these, one of these first days we're there. Um, and it's getting late at night. We're, kind of, we're, we're walking the streets. Uh, we're making our way back to our hotel after a long day of, of walking all over. We've seen the Eiffel Tower. We've seen uh, the Seine, the big river that flows through the city. We've, we've seen different buildings and sites and beautiful things. Uh, we had just been at a church, I think, and there was a big church that's on a hill there. We had been sitting watching the sunset, and we were walking back to our, uh, walking back to our Airbnb. Um, and suddenly, we're, we're about to cross a street, and this man comes up to us. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, the picture, it's like this big city. I've only been there a couple days. I'm, t I'm, I'm, I've been tense all day, you know, about like just trying to, you know, navigate like, like this new world that I suddenly find myself in, um, trying to maintain that sense of control. Right. Uh, and suddenly there's some, there's this guy talking to me already. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm already, I'm already not on board with whatever this guy has to say to us. And so he opens his mouth and, and what he has to say is, um, and he's carrying these, these big shopping bags. Looks like he's been shopping all day. And he, and he comes up to me and he says, oh, are you guys, are you American? Are you, do you speak English? And we say, well, yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, I guess so, you know. And so we're preparing, okay, what's this guy got to say to us? And so he launches into this story uh, about how, I don't quite remember all the details now, but the story was something about how his, his credit card, something had went wrong with his credit card and they had lost, he was on vacation with his family. It was his wife's birthday that weekend or something. And his, their money had suddenly been, suddenly been frozen somehow. They couldn't get to it for a few days, but their Airbnb was going to kick them out. 
And so they were afraid they were going to be on the streets that night. Um, and so he was asking us if we would give him money. Um, and, you know, obviously we're not carrying large amounts of money on us. And he's saying something about, oh, we have to meet my father in this other city somewhere else in France. We need to take a train. I only need this much money. Um, if you could just give me 50 bucks. Um, and, oh, okay. And it's like, well, I don't have any on me. It's like, well, we could go to an ATM, he says. And you could, you could, you could get me some money that way. Um, and so, and he's looking me in the eye, and, he, and there's tears in his eyes a little bit, and or at least on the edges. And he's like, "I know you're a man of, of I can see that you're a man of, of honor or something like that, and you know, it's, or a man of generosity or whatever." And uh, and so, I know some people, different people here, just you know, hearing that story, you're going to have different reactions. Some people are going like, "I don't know, somebody asking for money on the street, you're already kind of." You're on guard, you know, somebody, especially if somebody wants you, is suggesting you go to an ATM with them and putting your, getting your card out, putting it into the machine, you know, that's, that's, sus, that, that's suspect, right? Uh, and, you know, others are going to say, well, it's, this man is, he, he's in a crisis, you know, and he's, and he's saying things like, I could, give you my, I could give you my shopping bags full of stuff we bought all day as, you know, collateral to make sure that we pay you back, we'll find you, whatever. Um, and so you're on the street, and you, you suddenly have to make this big decision, and this, and this person's having this crisis moment. Um, and so this was, was my reaction. I, I froze up, and I said, sorry, we can't help you, sir. And I, and I grabbed Naya's hand, and I dragged her away across the street, and, and uh, I said, sorry, and I walked away as fast as I could. And I was really, really sad, <laughs> because I thought it was a missed opportunity. And I was like, we could have given him more money. We could have, like, prayed for him. And But Peter's was like, I want to protect you. I am, like, scared of this city. Let's go. And so we're walking the streets afterwards, and the, the discussion becomes then Nea saying, well, that seems sort of, that, that seemed very abrupt or cruel or, or, like, you didn't even give, like, give it a, a, mo like a, real, a real chance, you know. Um, you know, it was a rather heartless reaction. And, you know, at the moment, I, I just tried to justify myself. I said, well, I was, I was, I'm in protection mode. I'm trying, you know, it's like you can't trust people in the cities all the time. You can't trust everything people say. I mean, this, this, sound, this sounds like something I heard about on the Internet probably. Of, you know, the, this is the kind of scammy stuff people do. You know, he was a really good actor. And, and then I started, you know, really picking apart this guy's story. You know, it's like that detail and that detail. I don't know if those matched up. And, you know, I'm, I'm going into this whole thing, and, and Nea says, well, and then she looks at me, and she's like, well, so what? What if, he, what if he had been a big con artist? What if he was just trying to get your money? Um, and so in the month that's followed, I've, I've returned to that moment sometimes, and I think about the real reasons that I, I turned that man down. And at the very base of it, I mean, it, it, it was fear. <laughs> Uh, it was a fear of a fear of man, right? It was a fear of what this man might represent. He represents uh, maybe he's trying to take advantage of us. Um, obviously, we're young. We look naive. We're wandering around the streets of Paris. We look like tourists. I mean, uh, we he's, he could be uh, you know a predator, and we're his prey, kind of thing. And there's a fear of that. There's a fear of was just came with being in a big city. I'm a I'm a country boy in a big city. There's a lot of fear that comes with just being in a different place uh, and meeting different kinds of people and the mistrust that comes with those sort of cross-cultural connections. There's a mistrust of people who are different than you, people from a different place. 
Um, and so those things were really the biggest factors, I think, for me in that moment. Uh, and so I think about it, and I was like, even just this morning, I was thinking about the story. I was like, what if it had been, like, the worst-case scenario? What if he was, like, a guy with a gun, he was, like, actually, like, literally trying to rob us? What difference would, in, like, the bigger scheme of things would that really make? Um, if I really believe what I say I believe about who Christ is in me, then that moment shouldn't really change how I reflect the character of Jesus on other people. Um, even if I'm in a new place and I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable and unfamiliar with the, the surroundings and the person is the person I don't trust, if I trust the Jesus within me and I trust the power that I have when I go out into the world, then that shouldn't make as much of a difference as it did in that moment for me when I said, when I didn't even want to listen or treat that person like a human being. Um, so yeah, that was a, a humbling moment, a moment where I I've had to spend some time thinking about myself and my own um, convictions and my own way I treat people in this world. Um, yeah, it was a moment that I've, I'm not proud of. I'm not proud of doing that. I'm, you know, in some ways I'm still, I still think, well, you know, I, I should protect my wife or whatever, or, you know, whatever. But it, at the end of the day, I wonder if there's a different way I could have gone about things. <laughs> and I certainly can imagine things I could have said and done that would have been different. Yeah. So, for Peter, like, those are some of the instances that he learned the hard way of what clinging to control and clinging to the things that we think are going to keep us safe in this life. And learning little by little, especially as the trip went on, being able to let go more and more and to be able to not have as much of a hold on those things because the reality is you're, we weren't always safe. We weren't always, we missed trains. We, we missed boat ports. We missed buses. We missed, there's all kinds of things that <laughs> went wrong. There's sort of wrong. a pattern also being late for things and, and always kind of missing, <laughs> missing <Which> schedules. <laughs> transportation <laughs> anyways <laughs> but in the end and even with all of those things even in those moments of not everything going perfectly we learn to be able to just let go of <laughs> the outcome of what our expectation is um, and being able to make the most of what we had because that was another thing, is there were certain things that because we missed certain trains or different things or um, trains breaking down or what have you, we missed some of the time that we had in certain places. And I think we had to walk through the process of not developing a greed for time and a greed for even the things that we were seeing. And just realizing even coming back, like not trying to grasp every single thing we can, but being able to come to the Lord and come to life with a posture of open hands and arms, being able to receive. Um, and that doesn't mean that we can't be intentional and active, but being able to let go. <laughs> to have this posture of letting go and realizing there's a lot of things that aren't within our control, 
and that what we can do, what we can choose, is to have the self-control of the Holy Spirit and to be able to approach things and go through things, being able to control our attitude and who we present ourselves to be because of the true identity that God has placed within us. But anyways, was there any more stories you wanted to share or yeah Yeah, um so did you want me to share a few things or did you want to talk about people okay um i'll just very quickly share just a couple things that i learned um like i said because peter was the planner i kind of already was in a place of like I don't know what's going on, so <laughs> I'm just here for the ride. Oh, look, the pretty buildings, and like Peter trying to make sure that I'm not like running into traffic and stuff like that, but <laughs> actually towards the end, Peter was the one that I was like nervous, because at first, like the locals, they just, it doesn't matter if it's red, green, whatever color it is, if there's an opening, you go across and at first we were like really nervous about that but at the end peter was like acting like he was a local but anyways <laughs> i digress so for me one of the things was there was a couple situations <laughs> that i felt very deeply this idea of separation or like human separation, and I'll explain that to you. Um, there were one of the places, I guess the picture isn't up there, one of the places we went to is the Elmafi Coast, and that was just for an afternoon, um, and we spent time on the beach, and if you don't know what the Amalfi Coast is, There's a lot of cities that have buildings that are built into cliff edges along the ocean. And so if you've just seen different pictures, they're stacked in Italy, and there's a bunch of just beautiful little, like, I wouldn't call them alleyways because we have a kind of a different picture of that, but just like stairs and and little um, coves and just tunnel kind of things through the buildings and so you have to take a bus to get there and then you make your way down 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 to the beach we had a lovely afternoon there it was beautiful and the day before Peter had um, mentioned that oh the bus to go back to where we need to go there's several different options even late into the evening So we weren't too worried, just relaxing. And then um, it was about 5 o'clock, and we had gotten Wi-Fi. We were just sitting there, and Peter realized that the last bus was at 5.12 that was going to leave all the way at the top of these cliff edges. And I was like, there's no way we're going to make it. But Peter, being the athlete that he is, (laughs) starts, he's like, we got to run. And he starts booking it. And I'm trying to keep up as much as possible. 
but that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so we're running up these stairs, and I was thinking, I knew I had to come back up, but I didn't mean that it'd be sprinting up these stairs. And so we're running, 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 and Peter, so he points to me, like, the direction, but I don't see it. Like, he's kind of far ahead of me. Long story short, we get separated. I, we get lost, or he doesn't get lost. I get lost. And I'm wandering, running, like, in these little streets and um, steps just, like, now trying to find Peter, let alone the bus stop, and it's already past the time the bus was supposed to come, but I don't care anymore, and I have no money, no phone, nothing on me, and I was very terrified. I was, like, I had never felt that level of... Um, like separation or feeling lost, like literally lost, but also just like trying to figure out oh, how is this how is this going to happen? But I kept trucking along, kept going, um, and eventually got to the bus stop, and Peter wasn't there. So I just tried to, um, as peacefully as I could, just wait and see if he came and eventually he came running up and it was like the most beautiful moment in my life <laughs> <laughs> oh i had already like gotten over my frustration with him for leaving me behind <laughs> because i was like i don't even care anymore i just want to see him again and then right as he ran up the bus pulled up so it was wonderfully God ordained maybe I don't know <laughs> or I yeah. think so <laughs> yeah yeah because I couldn't the, believe it <laughs> the bus was like a half I see an hour you, late I, I finally found you I get there and there's the bus wow right. <laughs> everything I was looking for all at once nice <laughs> and, and I don't know what these people thought but like it was like we embraced and we were like crying and we're like oh my like and Peter's drenching sweat from like running up and down the stairs and yeah so anyways but one of the things that really the Lord started speaking to my heart in this is I've always known that there isn't any separation between us and God that no matter where we go he's there but there's something very real to being in a place, especially alone in a place that you have no, no familiarity in any sense, and to know that he is there, and that there is no sadness between our relationship with God and us that even though we can go through sad things or even this sense of loss or um, these really scary things in life, that our relationship with God will contain no sadness. And that was just a new revelation for me that oftentimes we, in those sad moments, we do allow those things to kind of, 
latch on to us. But being able to realize that it's in connecting to the Holy Spirit and connecting to um, his life and his spirit in us that we're able to actually connect to love that doesn't contain any sadness or separation. And so that that's just something that he really embedded in me. And he continued, there was another moment that I was alone on the top of a mountain and I and he said where am I that I can't be seen where am I that I can't be heard where am I that I cannot pour my love on you and that there's no limit to that and I I know we know that we know that but if you begin to truly know it deep inside that's the very thing that will help you to be able to let go of that control, the thing that helps you to trust, regardless of whether you are getting things right, whether you're missing the train or you're missing the bus or like getting lost, you are able to connect to the fact that he is here. I know Christmas is coming up and Emmanuel, God with us, that is something that should rest just so deep in our heart. God with us. God in us. Yeah. So to summarize that, for both of us, I think we learned separately and together was this idea of being pushed beyond our, and it was something we hadn't anticipated. I mean, this was kind of like, oh, this was a dream. It was going to be fun. And it was lots of fun. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. But it also pushed us into a, you know, way out of our environment that we had had any association with, and we had to recognize who we were. We had to, we had to find. It's like, all right, if all your surroundings completely shifted to something entirely different, are would you still be the same person? Um, and we had to kind of, you know, wrestle with that. It's like, all right, who am I? What what is does God? Who does God say that I am? How founded am I really on that? What the Bible says I am in Him. Am I, do I truly believe I'm his child? Do I truly believe um, in that depth of my being? Does it come out of me in those moments of crisis, in those moments of things being different or, or things that confuse us, that kind of thing? So it was, it was a really good challenge in that way for us, I think, pushing us that way. So um, I think we still have a time to at least talk about a little bit. Yeah. So something that was also really important to us and probably the most important um, was, you know, we saw lots of beautiful things, some ancient buildings, some of the most ornate wonders of the world kind of level things. Um, but in the midst of all of it, it was the people that we, we were with um, that we got to, to speak with. The, the, those are the real treasures we found, that when we come back, we think more about those people than we think about those things. And even just for Peter and I, there was a lot that God did in our marriage and just binding us together, but then also being able to experience that growth in our marriage to be able to release that to some of the people that we did come across. Yeah. So we, we weren't just scaredy cats the whole time. <laughs> we, did, we did release the presence of the Holy Spirit um, in different, yeah, yeah those as, are just much, moments, as much as possible. As, yeah. yeah, 
But um, so if we could put the second picture up. Uh, this one's probably our, the one where we're standing in front of some mountains. Yes. Um, this picture is kind of dark, I guess. But um, this was the one I think that's most important to maybe share with you guys and for those of you online, too. Um, some of you might remember two, uh, About two, years, two years ago, ago from, uh, from the school year of 2018 to 2019, um, Nadia Straub was staying with uh, the Bush family. Uh, uh, she was a German foreign exchange. foreign exchange student going to the high school here in Bemidji. Um, she came here for an American experience, but what she didn't anticipate though, she also had a God experience. <laughs> um, she had, uh, before she came here, her family had some, some church, some, you know, church in their life, <laughs> um, but it wasn't quite to this, uh, this level of this idea of, of relationship. relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. every day. And so that's something that obviously she lived with, with the Bush family. But also coming here, some of you might remember that, at, you know, she by says the, hi to everyone. Yes, she does also. say hello. <laughs> um, that one of the things she got to do is she got to she was up here. You know, I mean, she came from another country and she was up here and she was, you know, invited in to sing worship songs with us, to lead, um, to be a part of this community here. Um, and so this, for me, I think is, is an encouragement for us here. I really believe um, something that we maybe aren't even aware that was going on. Um, and it's still going on right now in her life is that this community really affected her in the way she sees the world. Um, obviously, we went over there and we saw lots of things, but it's people who come over here. They have in coming places like Ten Strike, Minnesota, it can change your life. <laughs> I don't know if we always think about that, but Ten Strike, Minnesota, coming here, this little place can change your life. And it changed um, that girl's life right there. Uh, I truly believe that. And it's not us, obviously. It was the Jesus within us and seeing how it worked in our midst. Um, we were talking to, we got to meet her family, which was wonderful, and there's probably some stories there that maybe we don't have time to share, um, but we were, we're talking with her father, we were asking her, or asking him, um, so it's like, we were, we were with him, and Nadia wasn't there, and we asked, so it's like, did you notice, you know, things, what things changed in Nadia's life when she came back from America, spending nine months in, or ten months in America, and he said, and the first thing he said was, you know what, um, you know, it's, and this is the way he said it. It's like, you know, we have our own way of, of, of doing religion, but we, we definitely noticed when Nadia came back, she had a, a new way of, of doing, you know, she had a new, she said, I think he said it, the American religion. <laughs> was that how he said it? Um, but uh, he, he noticed that it was, it was more than just, um, you know, uh, an outside thing. It had become an inside thing for Nadia. And so we, we, it was and really he said encouraging. She's still following and she's, God and yeah, that, he's still this following way. that way. Yeah. Um, so two years later, she is still engaging with, with Jesus. She's still seeking after him. Um, mm -hmm. We got to go to German church with her on a Sunday morning, which was very interesting and, and kind of profound in its own way to see um, Jesus preached in another language, to see mm -hmm. songs and worship being done. Um, you know, to obviously to our ears. We didn't understand all the words, but we, we could understand the, the heart and the spirit of what was going on for sure. Uh, and it was a church, you know, much like this, you know, the spirit-filled kind of thing was going on even over there in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so that was just another, you know, a beautiful picture, I think, of how the kingdom of God is bigger than always than 
than what we always imagined it. We got to see a section of the world and a section of Christianity and church and people worshiping Jesus and speaking his name and speaking his word um, in a tongue we didn't even understand. <laughs> and I think that was something that, uh, I mean, I know I had tears in my eyes and I didn't even understand what they were saying. So, <laughs> but I, I understood, you know, Jesus, Jesus, you know, that it was like, whoa, <laughs> it was kind of a whoa moment. But especially being there with Nadia, it was like, wow, this is, her year here, it, it did something. Her year with us mm-hmm. really affected her life. And I think even just us being able to be there and talk with her and pray with her and just um, help to remind her of that support and love that she has even all the way across the globe was very important for her. Um, yeah, I and think. just an update on her. She, you know, her life, what she's doing right now. Um, there, we're we're in the Swiss Alps. We went on a little trip with her, but um, she finished high school after she went back home, and now she's working on uh, becoming a becoming cop. A cop. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. going to be part of the police force in Germany. So you can be praying for her and her safety and her decisions on, on where to be in the police force. Obviously there's different roles you can take on. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were there, she was, I mean, she came back one day, she told us how it was the, the first time she got to fire a gun. It was really exciting for her, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because in Germany, the only people who have guns are the police, the police. force. So it was, it so was, um, she had never compared had to America. It was a very big experience. Someone firing a gun is this very rare and unique. So she was very excited about it. So, yeah. So I think we could quickly talk about Rachel and Lucas. Sure. Um, so. Um, yeah. So these are some of the other friends we stayed with. Um, uh, that's Rachel on the left. That's Linnea's best friend. She grew up here in Bemidji. Uh, I don't know how many of us know her here, but her name was Rachel Humanick before she got married. Now she's Rachel Scheidt. Um, so that's Lucas, her husband. And they met in uh, a mission, yeah. uh, missions work in, in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so he's from Germany, and then they got married and moved there. Um, and you see little baby Moses, little Mosey there. <laughs> trying to get a picture with him looking. (laughs) But something that we spent about 10 days with them and something that I don't think we were fully prepared for was how we saw saw beautiful landmarks, we saw wonderful things, but one of the most precious things we experienced was this little baby Moses. (laughs) And just the moments of him cuddling and snuggling and just these beautiful moments of um, being able to love love my best friend's child and be able to like spend time with him and um, a couple and just seeing through the eyes of a child us not having children we that was a different experience for us and I know all of you who have children know, I'm sure, what that's like of just seeing through the eyes of the child. And as they dis- discover and have this wonder, there were certain things in different cities that we were visiting 
um, with them that we would have just walked by, you know, there's several different people playing music or doing different things, but I just remember certain moments where he would just stand and listen, and he was a boy that was like into everything and like looking at everything, and he would stand and listen for about 10 minutes. He was just like enamored with this music. And I don't know, that that story probably isn't very relevant, but to me, like those are some of the moments that were just so precious and it had nothing really to do with being in a different country. It had to do with being with people and connecting with people that are close to us and being able to encourage them. And it was so good, especially for Rachel, to have some familiar friends come and to be able to uplift her spirit and encourage her. And um, you can be praying for them too because they're in the midst of decision-making for a couple different ministries that they're going to be involved in. So we we're able to have the chance to really encourage They're them. They're looking and... to uh, minister to Eastern Germany. Um, you know, if you're a history buff, you know, Eastern Germany has a, a slightly separate history, right, than Western Germany. You know, you think of the, the Iron Curtain, that kind of thing. And so because of historical events, um, Eastern Germany is, is far more unchurched. There's a lot more unbelievers who live on that that side of, of the country, and so they're very interested. In, and just going there and ministering to people, inviting people into their home is a big thing. And we, uh, we tried to encourage them and tell us, like, we, we certainly felt that way, that when we were there, we, we felt the, the presence of, of Jesus' character of inviting people in and loving them when we were there. And it was, it was a big blessing. It was something, you know, going from, you know, it's like, this place is strange and everybody's out to get us, um, at least for me, and going to, it's like, here's a place where there's, home. There's a place where there's people who love us. And um, it, it, I think it changed at least my mind about the way I, I, I was seeing the people around me as well in that place. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then very, very quickly. Do you have time for one more story? Are we, are we bored? Are we, are we <laughs> one more maybe? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that last picture you, we showed earlier. Yes. Um, so right before we were on our way home, we were in Barcelona, Spain, and we were taking a train up to Paris, where our plane was going to take us home. Um, and we're sitting in the train, um, and something the first strange thing that happened, and it didn't seem strange, quite strange at the time, but was a little strange, is um, what happens is when you're on these trains, conductors come by and they check your tickets, Right. Um, and even if you haven't been on a train, you've probably seen that in a movie somewhere, you know, it's a, a conductor comes. And obviously now in the modern day, we don't have, you know, most people don't have physical tickets. You know, you had something on your phone. So there's a guy who comes, he scans something on your phone. And we'd done this dozens of times on many different trains. This was the last train we were taking in our trip. Um, and so and usually these conductors, they have to check hundreds of people on these big trains. And so it's like, they're just boop, boop, boop. You know, they're just trying to go through as fast as they can. Um, but this guy, this conductor, he comes, he scans our ticket, and he looks at us, and he goes, where are you from? 
And, and you know, it's like, are and you... this was the first time we had ever been asked that, and this we, was like the last... No, but no conductor had ever even yeah. bothered to talk. To, I mean, you know, this is their job. They have to do this all day, every day. Hundreds of people, want, what's special about us? Where are you so, from? Um, so America. Uh, we're from America, from Minnesota. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he walks away. That was it. <laughs> it, was, it was very strange. It was like, okay, why did you want to know that? Um, and so we're sitting there, and about 20 minutes later... Um, this girl walks up to us. She comes up to us and she's, she goes, excuse me, this is, this is going to sound very strange, but um, I heard you that you were from America and I, I would like to have a conversation with you, she says. <laughs> she had an, a big English exam the next day and she was just really like, she thought it was just a miracle that there were English speakers. Yeah, apparently she had been sitting two seats behind us or something, and she had heard the conductor ask us where we were from, and when we said we were from America, she went, you know, it was a light bulb moment for her. She's like, there's Americans right here. There's English speakers right here. I could go talk to them. She said she spent the next, that 20-minute interval, like, trying to work up the courage to come talk to us, because, you know, it's very strange to come up and talk to strangers and say, can I have a conversation with you? Um, and so we said yeah, sure, we'll have a conversation with you. And so she told us, yeah, we, she had an exam. She's hoping to go to Oxford, right? Um, that kind of thing. So that conversation ended up um, turning into over an hour and a half of us talking. And uh, at first we were just really trying to connect and, and talk about different things. But then... You know, normal things, asking her about... You know, okay, you know, trying to, you know, get her to speak English, right? So it's like, all right, what's your life like? What are you like? What are you hoping to do in the future? Mm -hmm. You know, things just get to know you questions, you know, small yeah. talk. And so she, but she wanted to know if we had like an Instagram or something like that. And so we she's, had... She's 19, so yep. they all have Instagram. <laughs> so we had um, our 10 Strike Youth Instagram. So that we've been like, using this to isn't post like pictures our personal the trip. one, yeah. but here's, here's one that you can get connected. And she's like, so what is a youth group? And we're like, <laughs> we're glad you asked. <laughs> so then we like tried to answer, but then she asked all the right questions of... What kind of things do what you What kind of teach? things do you teach at that youth group? Can you give me an <laughs> well, example of a lesson you would give? And we're like, th These are real questions that she means. asked. And, and, yeah. So we really, we got to share Jesus with her. And one of the beautiful things was um, we got to share, or actually, how about you share just yeah, briefly it was, it was about very, the story? It was very different, guys. Yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, so we, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but she was telling us a story um, of some kind. It was like something about like a, like a, a fable or something that she knew or something. And I said, oh, that reminds me of a, of a Bible story. And I don't, usually I don't even know why I would say that now that I think about it. But I was like, that reminds me of a Bible story. And she's like, could you? And, I, and I, me, I think I mentioned the, the name of the story was the, uh, uh, Good Samaritan. the Good Samaritan. I was like, oh, that's like the Good Samaritan. She's like, oh, I'm not familiar with that one. Could you tell it to me? Um, and so I said, okay, I guess I have to, you know, tell the story. So I, I, went, I launched into the whole, the whole story of the, of the Good Samaritan. Um, 
and how it expresses, and then, you know, afterwards, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, it's like, okay, that expresses, you know, Jesus told that story to express this idea of, of how his love connects people and, and what real love looks like. Um, and she says, wow, that's great. Do you have any more stories like that? So I think I told one or two more of Jesus's stories. And, and for me, that was, that was, I reflected on it afterwards, and I was like, um, for me, stories and, you know, I, I have an English degree and, and telling stories and, and talking about Jesus' stories is really important to me. So being able to, to stand in that role that Jesus stood in 2,000 years ago, telling the same stories that he told um, to an audience, you know, oftentimes here in the church we, we tell Jesus' stories, but we're all so familiar with them that it's not quite the same as when Jesus was sitting in front of that rapt audience who were hearing those stories for the first time. Um, and hearing the lessons that he was teaching in that new way, it was, you know, there was, there was a revelation that Jesus was, was trying to get to through his stories. And seeing that come to life, you know, in miniature with me and just this one person um, was really, really profound for me, I guess, because it was like, um, kind of like when a child, you know, you know is mimicking their, 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 their father, you know, I was thinking about it was, for me, it felt like I was, I was taking part in what my Holy Father did long ago. And, and I don't know, I felt that, that really profound connection to who Jesus was in that, in that moment. And using part of myself, part of my own giftings and things that I didn't know I could use in that way. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. That the, the very stories of Jesus are powerful and just in telling them. Jesus told them and they had power and they, had, they made people think about who he was and who God was. And I think they had the same power today. So, And the stories that we told brought tears to her eyes. And that was just, that was really impactful for me too to see, to just remember to appreciate just the power, like Peter is saying, behind what Jesus has told. And how when someone has an open heart, they can really just receive and hear and obviously, you can see her, her headdress. She, um, she didn't discuss really her, her religious background, but it's clear that it's some, some type of, of is Islamic belief in her background, although she was, she was very open. Um, she was very hungry to hear something She different. wanted <laughs> any access to any more of our lessons and teaching. <laughs> She's like, wow, I want to hear more of your lessons. And so we were able to connect with her a little bit more even after talking, but her name is Sinabu, and you can be praying for her, and um, that was, yeah, that was just one of those things that, those appointments that God had that really impacted her, but then also us, probably equally as much. So, yeah. Um, all right, so we should probably uh, pray for us here. Uh, thanks for listening to us. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't quite as bad as, you know, here's, here's our, our vacation slides or anything like that. It was I mean, hopefully a little more uh, deep than that. We still haven't even gone through all of our pictures with our families either. <laughs> can have to do it in increments. <laughs> yeah. So, but Jesus, we thank you that you... Uh, our ruler and reigner over a very big world, bigger than, than we know and that we've seen or could ever see in our lifetime. You see it all, all the people living different, very different types of lives, and you love each and every one of them, and you have a plan and a purpose 
for each and every one of them in your kingdom. So we just pray, Jesus, that um, yes, that we would just recognize how to let go of maybe some of the things that, that kind of hold us back, some of the things that we think are, are so important to control and contain, um, some of the things that we are so afraid of facing maybe even our, inside of ourselves or in our own lives so that we can be open to who you are and what you want us to do, what you want us to be, so that we can shine as your kingdom, as who you are, in our own way, that we just would recognize that there's things about us that are like you, are like unto you, and that we can use those things in imitation of who you are. So we just thank you for each and every person who is here with us and who is listening online. We thank you for who you are, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So let's put that picture, that last picture up there once more. Um, what did you say her name was? Sinabu? Sinabu. Sinabu. Let's all say that. Sinabu. Once more. Sinabu. Where was she from? Barcelona? Well, she was from Paris, going back to Paris. I know, I just had the sense when hearing about her that we're supposed to have specific prayer for her right now, that the Lord, you know, we saw Nadia there, you know, and it's a blessing to hear that. I'm glad you shared that. And that she's still strong in the Lord and in a church that's uh, a good church. But Sinabu, I believe there's an assignment for us. There's a church there for her. So why don't one of you lead us in prayer for her? I'm sure you've prayed a lot for her already, but we're now at what is it's the church family. Let's all stand up together. <clears throat> you know, this is powerful. Things, when we pray together, there's a great power, and things are released in the spirit realm. Angels, I believe, are sent forth to those, to minister to those who are heirs of salvation, like Sinabu. We just believe that. There's a reason that that happened. Amen? And so, one of you would just lead us in the prayer for her. Lord, I just thank you for your precious Sinabu, Lord. And I just thank you for who you created her to be, full of joy and peace. And Lord, I just ask that that hunger that she had when we were with her would continue to grow, that her appetite for your goodness would expand, Lord, that she would be able to receive not only um, just the beautiful stories that you have and the lessons, but she would receive your very spirit that would speak those things to her and release that to her. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to place people around her, um, even in Paris, that she would continue to feel your love by connecting to people that are connecting her to you, Lord. And I just ask that um, if she, as she listens, 
to anything or if she gets more connected with even possibly streaming the services, Lord, I just pray that the word of God traveling all the way across the world would be able to plant those seeds in her heart and that her heart would have soil that would be ready to receive, Lord, and that she would be able to um, allow you to just water her with your grace and your love and be able to grow that fruit to be able to become a plant of your goodness in her area in Paris, France, Lord, that she would be able to then become a beacon of light to shine for you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And Cinebu, if you end up watching this, we want you to know from Tin Strike, Minnesota, we love you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Thank you so much, Peter and Linnea, for sharing that with us. And uh, if anyone would like prayer, come forward for prayer. There are also, um, I believe there's some goodies and coffee and fellowship available. We don't have a meal today, but um, be sure to have fellowship together. Hallelujah. We love you all.